You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Every every guy at least has like nicknames growing up. So if especially if you play sports or military or something like that, like you have nicknames. I had plenty of nicknames growing up. There was a few that stuck. The first nickname that I ever had was Little Heine. <laughs> <clears throat> My last name's Heinrichs, so they would call me Little Heine. Now, you're not allowed to call me that, but because that, that was a long time ago, Little Heine. And then as I got to high school, it just became Heine because I wasn't so little anymore. So it just became Heine. And in fact, I remember going the first time my wife and I ever went anywhere together as you know we were dating to a, a connect group at her old church. And as we're walking up, we couldn't really see because it was dark. And I hear this girl say, hi, Heine. And I was like, oh my God. My wife's like, who's that? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so it went from Heine, then I went to college at UCLA. I didn't know anybody at UCLA that knew me here, so my, my nickname became Heiner. So, you know, it's just a variant of Heine, and now it's Heiner. But then when I got here 15 years ago, I was playing golf with Pastor Jurgen, and he nicknamed me The Hammer. The Hammer. And so that became my new nickname, which I think was God's redemption. From little Heine to hammer, I like I, I'm, I, I like that one. I like that one. You can call me that one. And uh, some people call me Pastor Hammer, you know. Um, and, um, but I like that one, and I especially like it because I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And in the 80s and the 90s, I didn't listen to anything except for rap and R&B, pretty much. And so there was a, a gentleman named MC Hammer who, uh, who wrote a song called You Can't Touch This in 1990 when I was a freshman. And it was from the, the album, Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. <laughs> and so this was an extraordinarily popular song. And I found out after research, this has nothing to do with my message, that uh, MC Hammer got his nickname because he was a bat boy for the Oakland A's. And as he was a bat boy for the Oakland A's, he, they said he looked like Hank Aaron, who was the home run king, hammering Hank Aaron is what they called him. So they started calling him Hammer. And then some of the Oakland A's actually funded the beginning of his rap career, which is pretty interesting. And so MC Hammer came out with this song, You Can't Touch This. So when I hear of Hammer, that's what I think about. And the title of my message is found in this video clip. Break it down. If you know it, Stop. hammer time. That's it. The title of my message is Hammer Time this morning. And uh, it's not about me, but I wanted to give you that image in your head to kind of redefine that term, hammer time. And I'll get to that in just a second. But I want to read you a passage of scripture. And the Bible is, is thousands of years old, but it's living and active, it says. And so even though something was written thousands of years ago, it makes sense today. It's relative today. It's a revelation today. It's called, it's called Rhema, the, 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 what God is saying. This written down is called Logos, what God has said. But Rhema is what God is saying. The, the, the culture of this church is fresh, real, and powerful. We want to bring something fresh every single week on a Sunday, something that's relative to your life, something that you can apply today to your life. And that's what the Bible does. That's why we preach out of this book, because it is relative and it is powerful today, just like it was 
uh, thousands of years ago. So Jeremiah 23, one to four, rocked me this week, and it, I feel like it is a rhema word for today. It says, what sorrow awaits the leaders of my people? So God is speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. The shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. So he's talking to Christian leaders. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of Israel says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather together the remnant. Say remnant. Of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God is speaking through Jeremiah the prophet to all these Christian leaders and he is upset because they've let the sheep scatter and now the sheep are afraid and they've scattered. But God is saying, I'm gonna bring them back together. I'm going to bring them back together and I'm going to increase them and they are going to be fruitful and multiply and they're never going to be afraid again and not one is going to be missing or lost. I feel like the reason that this campus alone is up 80% from last year in numbers is because we have a shepherd that is willing to take care of the sheep in a time of craziness. A shepherd that is not going to bow to this victim in fear, but is going to give you faith and is going to, 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 to take care of you and bring you into safety. And so that's why God, I believe, is adding to Awaken Church in every campus. Verse 25, he's speaking to the false prophet, same, same chapter. It says, I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything that they say. So we have people that are saying, this is from God. I had a dream. This is the way that we should go. And then they just invent stuff and make stuff up. It's not from God. The other day I posted something about science and, and, I, and I believe science is the new tolerance. It's the same methodology. Tolerance says that from the world that the church, you have to tolerate our ideas that have invented and made up. You have to tolerate our ideas, but, but we won't tolerate your ideas. They say, we can tell you what to do, but you can't advise us on what to do. It's tolerance. They disregard the truth. and They just say, tolerate us. Science is the same these days. When they say it's about the science, they're ignoring the science. And they're saying, you have to believe our science, which don't have any foundation, but we're not going to believe your science, which has millions of studies, top doctors confirming. But they're going to say, you have to believe our science, and they disregard these top doctors, millions of people's studies. The CDC says the vaccine... Uh, does not stop the spread of COVID. The CDC says that, but yet they want to fire tens of thousands of healthcare workers who were heroes last year, but they want to fire them this year to stop the spread of 
COVID because they don't have the vaccine, but the CDC says that the vaccine doesn't stop the spread of COVID, so. They're inventing stuff. And they said God told them. They're inventing things. It's the new tolerance. Verse 27 says, by telling, by telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshiping the idol. So they're telling us all these false things, trying to get our eyes off of God and onto the healthcare system, the medicine, the doctors, the government. Let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. There is a difference between straw and grain. There is a difference between the absolute truth and the garbage that we're hearing. There is an absolute truth, and it's found right here. That's why it's important to look at, at culture and life through the filter of the Bible. There is a difference. PC is not in here. Politically correct, not in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to me but comes to my father but by me. That is so unpolitically correct. Coexist says everybody just finds God no matter what you, but Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm not politically correct. The reason he's so clear is because he wants everybody to go to heaven. It is his will that none should perish. He doesn't want to be complicated. He says everybody can go, but they just got to go through me. So unpolitically correct. So let my true messengers fully proclaim my every word. This is it. Verse 29. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? Somebody say hammer time. Then it goes to verse 36. But stop using this phrase, prophecy from the Lord. For people are using it to give authority to their own ideas turning upside down the words of our God, the living God, the Lord of heaven's army. So God is saying, I need my true messengers, my faithful messengers to proclaim my word. <clears throat> Does not my word burn like fire? When we say the word, it burns on the inside of people in a healthy way, in a healthy way. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks apart rocks? It's powerful. But people are using, it's a prophecy from the Lord to give authority to their own ideas. The other day I saw the governor of New York in a church saying that there are Christians not listening to God. That God said that we should be doing all of these different mandates, lockdowns, vaccine, forced, all this kind of stuff. Saying it's from God and Christians aren't listening. Saying we should love our neighbors. She's using the name of God to give authority to her own ideas. Love thy neighbor doesn't stop at love thy neighbor. It says love thy neighbor as thyself. No one talks about that part. The reason I'm not going to force my friend to do something they don't want to do is because I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. <clears throat> if you're going to try to turn the word of God upside down, at least use the whole scripture. But in all this noise and in all this chaos and in all this fake news, it's time for Christians to say, stop. It's hammer time. It's time to release the word of God that breaks up deceit, that breaks down fear, that brings light and clarity to the world. It's time for the church to release the word of God. Where are the faithful messengers? 
We got to stand and declare the word of God. It's hammer time. The word of God discerns things. It discerns spirits. It exposes agendas. It brings life. The word of God is spirit and it is life. That's why it burns on the inside of people. That's why we got to declare it because the, the, the spirit of people will, 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 will catch on to it. It'll burn on the inside of them. In the beginning, when the, when the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and there was, there was chaos, what did God do? He spoke. He said, let there be light. And clarity came. And order began to come because he spoke the unadulterated, absolute truth, the word of God. Let there be light. And light was. And all of a sudden, there was clarity. The problem with today is there's too many truths. Truth is relative to how somebody feels. So when there's an, when there's an abundance of truths, there's no truth. And it causes confusion. That's why we need the word of God. That's why we got to speak the word of God. That's why we got to stand on the word of God. That's why we got to fight for the word of God. That's why God is looking for faithful messengers to declare his word. Because he's getting together the remnant and he's going to increase and he's going to make them fruitful. And they're going to take over, like my wife said, across San Diego, California and across, across the world. The word of God, the reason we need to speak the word of God in this time is because the word of God heals. Psalm 107, 20 to 21 says, he sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. My son, give attention, Proverbs 4:20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. The reason we need to declare the word of God is because it heals. In a time that we're in right now, people need healing. People need spiritual healing. People need physical healing. People need emotional healing. People need healing. And when we speak the word of God, it will burn on the inside of people and healing will come because the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. And when people hear the love of God, like it says in this verse, they will begin to rejoice and thank him that they love him. You know how many people don't know God loves them? That word alone will bring healing to people. God is a good God. He didn't create a, a virus to try to ruin the world. He came that he might save the world. God loves people. We just release healing on the colon and on everybody in this building because the word of God heals. All we got to do is send it out and let it do what it does. The Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. He's not going to give us a word that doesn't work. His word works, and he's going to watch over it to perform it to ensure that it works. We need to speak the word of God because it heals. Now, a lot of people will give us flack and say that we're just a church that's political, or we're just a church that fights. We're just a church that battles all the time. And we are a church that fights. And we are a church that is involved in politics because Jesus said, go into all the world. We need to be in all parts of the world. We need to be in every sphere of culture, including politics. But at the same time, we got to heal. We can do both. They only focus on the political thing because they're not in the church. They don't see the altars filled. They don't see people getting healed. They don't see people coming off addiction in recovery every single week. They don't see people getting saved, giving their life to Christ. They don't see marriages getting better. They don't see kids coming back to Christ. They don't see kids getting raised up in the house of God. 
They don't see people getting set free every week. They're just focused on this so they can condemn us because they've bought into the invented ideas of the world. They're not here. The people that are here know what's going on. The people that are here realize that we got to fight, but we also got to heal, which, by the way, is what Jesus did. Matthew 21, 12 to 14 says, Jesus had come in, it's Palm Sunday. He comes in and everyone's yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. God save us, God save us, God save us. He's getting worshiped as he comes in. Then he goes straight into the temple and says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned tables of money changers and seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus goes into the temple and he stands up for the word of God. He stands up for the church. He battles, he fights, he kicks people out. He gets angry righteously. You don't have to be soft to be a Christian. I have people posting on me all the time saying, this guy's a pastor. And I'm like, that's almost a compliment to me. That I'm not some weak, scared, somebody that just bows to the opinions of, of man, made up ideas. Weak men don't take territory. (laughs) Got to inject some testosterone up in here. There's a lot of cherish happening right now. So he's throwing over tables. He's kicking people out out of the church. He's standing up for the word of God. Next verse. Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. We can do both. We are called to do both. We have to do both. That's what the church is called to do. We're called to govern, but we're called to heal. We're called to heal. And that's what I know we are all feel like we're known for, but everybody outside of here that condemns us, throws stones at us, they don't know what's really going on. That's how you know that they don't go here because they don't know what's going on. Somebody say hammer time. The word will also inject you with something that we all need, especially in this moment, and that is faith. We all need an injection of faith, especially in this season. When you come into this house, I guarantee you, you will leave thinking all things are possible. When you come into this house, I guarantee you will leave me knowing that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above you ever asked, thought, or imagined. When you leave this house, you will know that God came, Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. We don't pander to victim. We say to the victim, let the weak say that I am strong. We say to the victim, speak to those things that aren't as though they are. Come on, we want to release the word of God in here. We want to drop the hammer every single week because it will break up wrong mindsets. It will break up things that you need to change. It will illuminate things that you need to change. We need to drop the hammer as, as Christians so that we can start to think like Jesus thinks. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we got to preach from the word of God. The devil will try to steal your faith because your faith moves God. Your faith is worth fighting for. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight, but it's good. It's good. We got to keep the faith, especially in this season. Faith is is what gets us through hard times. Faith is what gets us through transition. 
But faith only comes when we drop the hammer, when we release the word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's not be intimidated by people who are making up stories. People are making up, inventing ideas and saying God told them. Let's go back to the Bible and say, did God really say? Let's use the devil's tactics on them. Did God really say that? I don't think so. Let's go back to here. Let's go back to here. We need faith in this season because we're in a season of transition. We're in a season of transition. I don't know what the world's going to look like in three months, six months, a year. I know that we're going to be winning, but I don't know what the world's going to look like. But I know this, that we are in transition. And the reason you need to be in church and the reason you get around people of faith is because we need faith in transition. Um, 14 years ago, we were about to have our first baby. Hudson, he just turned 14 this week. And uh, my wife, for whatever reason, decided that she wanted to have a baby without drugs, without an epidural. And I was like, your body, your choice. I mean, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, babe, like, what do we do? We can't go to the normal Lamaze classes where they teach you how to breathe with an epidural or whatever. We had to go to a different type of a class. It's, a, it's an all natural class. It's an earthy class. It's with people that have been eating organic for 50 years before that was a thing. People that don't wear makeup and stuff like that, <clears throat> which is fine. I mean, whatever. So, so it was called the Bradley class. So we went to this Bradley class to learn how to have a baby without drugs. And so we walk into this class and it's, it's, it's very all natural. And, and, uh, and, and we learned how to have a baby without drugs. I learned how to do the waterfall. So when my wife is in pain and stressed out, I do the waterfall on her back to calm her. She learned that the best way to not experience, to experience the least amount of pain in labor is to just be like this, go limp. <laughs> Don't flex any muscles because then it adds to the, it adds to the, um, to the pain of the contraction. So she had to practice going limp. <laughs> So we're learning all of these tactics. I learned how to encourage her, all these different stages of labor. And then we go into this class, this, this one class, and, and they were gonna show a video. And um, the video is, is, is all natural. They're, they're not, this is my first experience seeing a, I hadn't had a kid before, so this is my first experience seeing a birth. And they showed all of it. And it was like filmed in the 70s and My wife's not letting me tell details, but the 8.30 had a lot more details. But anyway, so we're in this video and, and they're showing everything. They're showing everything. And um, I'm not sure if I should be watching the video because I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I was sinning. I was repenting under my breath. I'm trying to learn how to have a baby without drugs, but I'm watching. And so we go through this thing and it's like this woman who is all natural. It's like she's in a fairy tale. She's having so much fun giving birth. She's smiling. She's laughing with her doctor and her husband. She gives birth and it's like this beautiful thing. And then there's a knock on the door. And they say, come in and the, this, they're in the hospital and the, this man walks in, it's not her husband. And she looks over and she says, hi, pastor. 
and she's just all natural. <laughs> Pastor comes in, gives her a hug, congratulations. Right then I was like, I'm never getting into ministry. <laughs> God had another plan. <laughs> but that's why I don't go to hospitals. Just kidding, I do, I do. So, so, so we see this, this, this thing, and then we learn that during labor, what happens is your, your, your water breaks and then you start to have contractions. And then the contractions get closer together and they get more powerful and more painful. And to the point where you get to a point, and this is what the lady said, this is what the, the natural lady said, the Bradley class person said. She said, when you get to this point of transition, it's the most painful point of the pregnancy. But if you can just hang on, you will be moments away, away from bringing a brand new life into this world. You'll be moments away from seeing your son's face for the very first time, little Hudson. But it's gonna be painful. And every woman, most women, during this time of transition will say they can't do it anymore. They will say it's too painful to go any further. But that's when you, dad, gotta kick in. That's when you gotta start the waterfall. That's when you gotta start to encourage. And if she can just get through the transition, she will bring a new life into the world. So we go into labor with, with little Hudson. I was supposed to be in a wedding. I had, to, I had to get out of the wedding because we were about to have a baby. And as we go into to labor, the contractions are getting closer together and they're getting more painful. And my wife's, you know, in, in the bed, out of the bed, in the bath, out of the bath, doing that thing. <laughs> Trying not to feel the pain. I'm doing the waterfall when I can. And then the contractions get close and close and close and close and more powerful and more painful and more painful to the point where my wife looks at me and I'll never forget this. And she says, John, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I remembered the word. I remember the word from the all natural lady that said, when they say that, that means they're in transition. It's the most painful part of pregnancy. But dad, this is when you need to kick in. This is when you, you need to remind her of the word. You need to tell her she's in transition if she can just hold on for a few more moments. She'll be able to bring this brand new life that you've been waiting for for nine months into the world naturally. And so I said, babe, you're in transition. This is what they talked about. Just hold on. You can do it. You can do it. And wouldn't you know, my wife gets through transition and gives birth to my beautiful little boy, Hudson. And the doctor said, you are the, most, the strongest woman I've ever seen in 31 years of delivering babies. That's what she told this fearless boss lady right here. But it was because we had a word that said, if you can just hold on through transition, we had faith because we knew what was gonna happen. Right now, we need to release the word of God so it puts faith in people because there's transition happening. I believe if we can just hold on, 
If we can just hold the line, we will be a part of a brand new day, a brand new life where the faithful messengers of God are dropping the hammer in their workplace, dropping the hammer at their families, where the word of God is released and faith is coming on the inside of people. We're going to see a change and a shift and an awakening in San Diego and throughout. And people are going to get healed. People are going to get set free because we have faith in transition. We need faith. We need faith. We need faith. And the, the author of faith is Jesus. So I want to ask if everyone could just close their eyes and bow their head. I want to pray for you this morning if you don't know him. The Bible says he's the author and finisher of our faith. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I want to follow you. Or maybe one time you have, but you've kind of taken your life back. And today you're saying, you know what? I want to get back with Jesus. I want to get back to the author of my faith because I'm in transition and things aren't going well. I'm transitioning to this job or to this area or to this mindset or whatever it is. So today you're saying, you know what? I want to come back to you, Jesus, and follow you. If you're one of those two people you never have or you want to rededicate this morning, can you just lift your hand where you are so I can pray for you? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you up there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you right here in the middle. Thank you. Over to my right. Thank you, guys. Thank you up there. Thank you down here. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you right there. See that hand? Once I see your hand, you can put it down. Up in the back. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Faith is going to come on the inside of you. I got to end the service. Is there anybody else? Thank you back there. Thank you. God sees you. It's amazing. The Bible says that God's the one that draws us to him. So before you lifted your hand, he was drawing you. And you're answering the call. Thank you over here. Thank you over here. With every eye closed and head bowed, I want all of us to pray this prayer, especially those of you that lifted your hand. And we're going to watch the author and finisher of our faith come into your life. Say these words, everybody in the building. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I, I acknowledge that you were dead, but that you got up three days later and you are alive and well today. Today I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home, and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.